Welcome to the worship service from Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia. Trinity Chapel is a small, traditional, and biblically-based congregation in the southwest corner of Virginia. The church pastor is the Reverend Bob Bierman, also host of Truth to Ponder, heard on this station. We invite you to be a part of our worship service today. To learn more about the church, its mission, and its vision, visit the website trinitychapelvirginia.com. That's trinitychapelvirginia.com. And now join us in the sanctuary of Trinity Chapel for today's broadcast. Heavenly Father, as we come to you at this time to gather around your word, I pray you'll open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive what you have for us this day. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. How many times have you ever asked the question, God, why do you let bad things happen to your good people? And why do the bad people seem to have all the better luck than I do? How many times have we said that? Probably 100% of us at some point in our lives, sometimes even in recent days, we challenge that notion, why do bad things happen to good people and good things seem to happen to bad people? They get away with this, that, and the other. Everything seems to fall in place for them. They never worry about how to pay their bills. They never worry about sadness and sorrow, grief, and any misery. They're always happy on their cruises and everything else they get a chance to do. How many times have we heard that? I've said it many times. I'll confess. I was thinking of the book of Revelation during that that video, and I quickly opened up. Revelation 6, beginning at verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God. And their testimony which they held, and they cried with a loud voice, How long, O Lord, holy and true, Dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them on the earth? And white robes were given to every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren should be fulfilled. The other day, before I even decided to do this series of messages. Maybe it's a week and a half ago now. My mind was drifting back early one morning. Ever have like a twilight sleep where you kind of, you're awake, but you're not awake and you're daydreaming and you're kind of thinking about things that have gone by in your life. And my mind drifted back to the first time I'd ever seen a little town called Tacoa, Georgia. Never had heard of it in my life but I'm applying for a job there. And I got it. Spent some time there, got to know the community, worked at the radio station there. And finally moved on to bigger and better things, bigger radio markets. But I remember learning one thing about that town. It had a small little college, or it was called then the Tacoa Falls Institute, small little Bible school Many years ago, founded for people in the Appalachian that didn't have any money or decent education. It was founded way back, Golden Valley, North Carolina, then moved to this nice little piece of property 
with a 186-foot-tall, beautiful waterfall. It wasn't much of a school when I visited it the first time in 1975. And I had met the president of the college at that time. His name was Dr. Ken Opperman, a nice enough guy. Small student body, and they were poor for the Lord, struggling to train missionaries, maybe pastors, but still not much of a school. I remember suggesting to him in 1975, being that you are a school, you might qualify to get, you know, a small educational radio station to reach the community. Oh, we could never do that. Too far beyond us. Never thought much about Toccoa Falls Institute after that. We had moved away. I ended up taking a job near Greenville, South Carolina, in 1977 at a radio station. Not so much a bigger station, but a lot more money. Good reason to go there when when you have a family. And we used to, on a Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening, you'd have to have lived there to appreciate this. We used to watch a... For the, listen to a radio program out of Tacoa on a high-powered FM that that town happened to have called The Billy Dilworth Show. Just a local character did a radio program just about as hokey as hokey can be, playing all that good country music. And on a Saturday night or Saturday afternoon, we put it on for a while at the house. We lived about maybe less than about an hour away from Tacoa. Went to bed one night. And I couldn't sleep. Ever have one of those nights where God wakes you up? This is, I mean, when you're in your 20s, you don't just wake up. It's one thing when you're in your 60s. It's another thing when you're in your 20s. You just don't wake up. But I did. And I'm laying in the bed at 4.30 in the morning on a Sunday, totally, absolutely wide awake. And I decided to get up and head off to the other side of the house where the den is. And I thought I put, you know, television stations were not on the air around the clock then. So I, I just put on, I turned the stereo on, and I noticed Tacoa Radio Station is on. They normally sign off at 11 o'clock at night or 10 o'clock on a Saturday night. And they don't come on till 7 o'clock. What are they doing on the air at 4 something in the morning? And this little tiny bit of music ended And this guy that I knew that worked there, not the world's greatest radio voice, was in there talking about many have died, roads are closed here in Tacoa. I'm going, what? I went and got my wife up. She's from Tacoa, Georgia. I said, honey, there's something going on down in Tacoa. And they're talking about an earthen dam broke above the campus of the college. And floodwaters, 90 feet tall, came ravaging through the campus, taking out the first floor of a dormitory, music building, and a mobile home park where many married students or faculty lived. Just wiped it out. I was working for a radio station, and I had been down there, and I used to be the news director in that town. So I got in my little car, which happened to have the call letters of the station I'm currently working for, and I just got in the car and drove down to Tacoa with my tape recorder. 
And I got there, and a bridge was about ready to collapse. I got across the bridge before they closed it off. And the sheriff recognized me. He and I had been friends from a couple of years before. So I was granted full access to everything, along with one other TV reporter that they liked out of Spartanburg, South Carolina. The two of us had total carte blanche to, to look for bodies and everything else we needed to help them do. I was privileged to ride in the helicopter with First Lady Rosalind Carter to survey the damage and talk to her. What had happened, it had been raining for several days. The dam was saturated. It had been made and built back in 1911, just thrown together for little Tacoa Creek. And it had a couple hundred acre lake up there. Well, the whole lake just suddenly came down and across the campus. 39 people died that morning in the wee hours. You would think that would devastate that school forever. It didn't. It didn't. It was a watershed event for that school. People suddenly found the depths of their faith, how they can trust in the hardest times. A man that I worked with years later when I ended up at that school developing the radio ministries we had talked about before, which became 10 high-powered radio stations around the country and a satellite network, reaching millions, not just a handful. The school went from 100 and something to almost 1,000. God turned a tragedy into a triumph. One of the men that I worked for just loved his Lord. And it served as a missionary down in, I got to remember, Chile for a number of years. And he was inspired because of the radio station now to build a radio station in Chile, which we helped fund and get, get built for him. He lost his wife and two children in that mobile home. He was the only survivor. I met others that lost husbands or wives especially in that area they call Trailerville, where these mobile homes on a beautiful creek never expected at that point a 40-foot wall of water to come pushing them through and piling them up all under the bridge. One of the ladies that I really got to know, she he had to know her years later, and I didn't even know the, the connection, but she had a sense of humor like I've never met in a person. And yet when I heard her story, it is an amazing thing how she could be so joyful all the time. She, watched, she was holding on to her husband as he was pulled out of their trailer never to be seen again until his body was found about a half a mile away. And at the funeral, for many of them, and at the graveside services, it was, it was really a service of celebration, not sadness. That one lady is quoted in the book, Dam Break in Georgia, which I've read numerous times, and you can actually see me in one of the pictures that's in the book. She stood by the grave of her husband 
and child and opened up with the chorus, it will be worth it all. When we see Jesus, life's trials will all seem small when we see him. I learned something from that woman. And then I was very sensitive when being at Toccoa Falls College. We had a speaker come by to give a message during a missionary week, which they always did at Toccoa Falls. You know, bring in some missionaries. And this woman, I'd never heard of her before because of my upbringing. I wouldn't have, probably. Maybe you've heard the name Elizabeth Elliot. Ever heard that name? Some of you may, some of you may not. She's since passed away. I met her in the 1980s when she was well in age. But she and her husband in the 1950s served as missionaries in a very remote part of Ecuador where they still had primitive tribes of indigenous people, literally unreached by the outside world. And they sought to bring the gospel to those people in that remote village. And he would get into a little Cessna aircraft with another buddy of his, and they would fly to where that village was. It took quite a while, even in a Cessna, and tried to develop a rapport with these people, not even knowing their language yet. One time, her husband and, and partner decided to fly in and, and you know, bring some stuff with them, and the tribe turned on them and killed them and destroyed their aircraft. They found, the, they found everything. The authorities came in later. You would think for Elizabeth Elliot going, God, why did you take my husband? He was doing your work for your kingdom in that place, and you let those... No, she never did that. Instead, she redoubled her effort to reach those people, and she ended up reaching all of that tribe for, for Christ Jesus and translated the Bible into their language. She did a radio program for years that began just a short little five-minute devotional. You are loved with an everlasting love. That was her opening words every time she spoke. She remarried years later, but she never, she never angered at God for taking her husband who died in the service of his Lord for the work he really wanted to do and was so thrilled to do. Sometimes we don't understand the chastisement and things we go through in life. Look, I'm, I've lost a spouse. My wife has lost a spouse. Others I know have too. And we get angry. We say, God, why did you do this? Why did you allow that to happen? Yet we don't fully understand. St. Paul says we see through a glass dimly. We don't yet understand the whys. My grandparents had three sons. And one year, probably late 20s, rheumatic fever hit their family. Now, we know a lot more about how to treat it today, and we also understand the damage it can leave behind the younger you are when you get it. They lost their youngest son during his illness. 
His name was Alan. Yet they didn't lose their faith. Then in the 1980s, when he's only 50 years of age, they lost their middle son, who was working with them in the family real estate business. My dad, the oldest, is the one that lived the longest because he had been older when he had rheumatic fever, so the heart damage was less. It was heart damage. The younger you are, the worse the damage. Untreated. They didn't know how to treat it then. We didn't have the things we have today. My grandparents' faith, even in losing the two sons, never wavered. And I would wonder, how can you be like this? How can you still go to the house of God? How can you still? But they did. My grandmother shared with me that when my grandfather died at age 97, she knew there was something up. They were in a assisted living by that point. And he was having some health issues. And so he was in the kind of the nursing, more extended care. And so she decided to go visit him in his room. And she came in there. It's about 2.30 in the morning when God kind of prompted her to get up. And she said, I came in there. And he's sitting up in the bed, talking and reaching out. Talking to Alan and Robert the two that are gone, going, it's you, it's you, as God took him home. He passed peacefully. My grandmother said it meant the world is to know that. It just reinforced the faith that they had held all those years. Guy by the name of Horatio Spafford, you probably, maybe some of you have heard that name. Yes, some of you have. He goes back to the 1800s. He was a successful businessman in Chicago, Illinois. A man of faith, but very successful. But he about lost everything in the Chicago fire. He decided to take some time after trying to rebuild and put it all together He decided to send his wife and his two daughters to England for a while to get away. They had family connections still over there. And at the last minute, he realized he couldn't travel. So he said, look, you guys go on. I'll meet you in England in about a month. I'll send, we'll get a wire to you somehow. They had ways of, you know, with boats going back and forth. I'll let you know in in about two weeks what my plans are. But I'll see you in about a month. He gets a telegram in his office weeks later from his wife, who has now made it to England. The message said, saved alone. The boat had sank and they lost their kids. And as he took the next boat he could get from New York to England, he had asked the captain where this other boat had sank when it went down. And I can't remember why it went down, but it went down. And when he found out, the captain let him know, we are roughly in the same place when that, where that boat went down. And it was just a wonderful, beautiful day, big white clouds. And the sea is just moderate chop for that time of the year. 
When peace like a river descendeth my soul, and storms like sea billows rise, you've heard the song, It Is Well With My Soul. He was reunited with his wife in England. They gave up everything and went into missionary service. In spite of it all, their faith never wavered. There are many times that my faith has been challenged. There are many times that I've, Lord, why did you let this happen? I spent time as a hospice chaplain. You'd be surprised how many people get angry with God. Oh, yeah. People that never used a bad word in their life in front of me used many a bad word. But you want to know something? God never stops loving you. God is not going to condemn you in your misunderstanding of anger. It's a, we, we're all, life is but a vapor, according to St. Paul. When I got a cancer diagnosis last year, it's like, this may not be good. But God has been wonderful. I'm my urologist. Uh, what is he called? Miracle child. He had never seen a man with so much cancer in one bladder in his life that's still alive. And he cannot understand for the life of me. I've never seen anybody whose cancer that in that magnitude is still stage zero and one. And I can scrape it out. Doesn't make any sense, Bob. This shouldn't happen. Now, I may not live another year. I may live another 20. I don't know. But I made a decision a long time ago. And I know that I went through a period of time where I was not a good, obedient servant of God in the loss of my first wife. Trust me. I had a really difficult healing time. But God was patient. He, he waited. He waited on me to get through it. And then as he bought me through it, and the years had gone by. And the peace that is in my heart these days. Just like that woman sang at a graveside. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life, life's trials will all be small when we see him. When we see his dear face. Behold him face to face. All sorrows will erase when we see him. Horatio Spafford, realizing that only a month before his daughters were taken, had peace. The peace that only God can give. I know that many of us, and I know many that are joining us today, electronically, have been through things that we don't understand why. Why did you make my perfect life so imperfect? Why did this go wrong? Why did I have this disease? Why did my business go failing? Why did, why, why, all the whys. Why did you take my parents when I was young? Why did you take a, a, a sister or a, or a brother? Or for a parent, why did you take my child? 
My wife and I know somebody who is very bitter to this day because of a child that was lost. And it's because this individual refuses to acknowledge her Savior, her Lord. She is still living in that misery because she has nothing to give her peace, nothing to give her hope. She's living the hope of nothingness when it all ends. One last quick story. I don't want to be too long today. When I was a hospice chaplain. There are two people that stand out in my ministry. One, I was called to a house in a place called Blackburn Point near Venice, Florida. Really wealthy area. Guy's about less than my age now. He's on his deathbed. This beautiful monster house on the Gulf of Mexico. Big boat and everything else. And I come in there and the wife said, no, he's not the one that wants to see you. I need to see you. And she explained that when they got married, her husband was highly driven to become very wealthy and retire at a very young age and be very filthy rich and have a big boat and a golf course and move to Florida. So I ne- we never saw the, the husband for 20 some odd years. Worked seven days a week, constantly traveling, didn't care, was never around for the kids. But he put every dime they made into what would be an early retirement fund. And so the, she was just willing to go along with it, and they moved to Florida, and hoping now maybe their marriage will be better and happy for the first time. And he's diagnosed with pancreatic cancer within a month of arriving and buying the house and settling in. And now he is on the verge of being dead that day or the next. And she wanted to know, I'm angry at him. And I feel bad. I said, no, you have a right to be angry. He abandoned you and your children growing up. And there's nothing I can do for him. There's nothing you can do for him at this point except pray. She followed up with me about six months after his death. She sold that big house, sold the boat, sold all the expensive stuff, had a big fat bank account, and moved back up where her children and grandchildren were now living, enjoying her life. Life is a vapor. We have no guarantee. It's like the guy, what's what's the Bible verse said? You know, soul of my soul, I'm going to build these bigger barns. Got to tear the barns now, man. I got it made. Tonight, your life's required of you. Then I had this other girl. 36, dying of breast cancer. She was now in a coma. And I came in. I was actually at a hospice meeting. This is a true story. And we're in there, and I'm wearing my collar. And this one nurse that I know comes in. Can we borrow Pastor Bob for a little bit over at the hospice house? We have a situation. It was a family at war, arguing. I walk in this room, there's this 36-year-old girl in a coma, and there's like noise going on, and I said, come on, can you come outside with me for just a minute? They see the guy on the collar, of course they're going to listen to you. Anybody else? No. We went out to the courtyard. I won't repeat the exact words that I used because I'm, but it worked, kind of like a drill sergeant. What's wrong with you people? You know, she might be able to hear you. 
Is this how you want her to remember you as she leaves this earth? Well, no. What is the big deal? Well, I wanted to raise her in the church and her dad really wasn't into it and she never was baptized and never this and never that and and I don't know what. And I said, I'll take care of it right now. Go back in the room, be quiet, talk happily, talk happy things. Called the kitchen, had some fine big bowl of water brought in and I baptized her there in her bed and she came out of her coma. Well, we did the little anointing thing, you know, to, you know, bless you. Uh, and the eyes opened up. Even I'm kind of like, <laughs> what's happened here? And within 10 minutes, she's sitting up. Still weak. Had a voice still not strong. And I, I said to her, I said, you know what just happened? She goes, yes, you just baptized me. I said, Okay. And, I, and she said, I need to spend some time with my family. She dedicated her life to Christ. Led her two errant, young, teenager-type kids to the Lord. Made peace with her parents. Died 48 hours later, quietly in her sleep. I did her funeral. At the behest of the family. It got so big, they had to rent an auditorium. When the word got out, 300 people at a funeral, 100 people came forward to give their life to Christ, her testimony. Yeah, it will be worth it all. We don't understand today. And there's more to this story that I will share next week. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this time that you've given us to come around your word. Lord, give us peace when we are facing all the difficulties this life has for us. That you can give us the peace that only you can give, that the world will not give. Father, if there's anybody that is hurting today, give them peace. Give them healing. If there's anybody anger, take that anger away. If there's anybody broken, Lord, mend them today. And if there's one that's not been drawn close to you, lead them into your, into your kingdom today to be with all those that have loved you around your throne of grace. Father, I pray for this entire congregation. I pray for those watching that hearts be moved and lives be changed. For this, I ask In Jesus' name, and all the people said, Amen and Amen. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll,
Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of him who's redeemed you and sustains you. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you this day and forevermore. Amen. Depart in peace. Serve the Lord in gladness. You've been listening to the worship service from Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia. Trinity Chapel is a small, traditional, and biblically-based congregation in the southwest corner of Virginia. The church pastor is the Reverend Bob Beerman, also host of Truth to Ponder, heard on this station. We want to thank you for being a part of our worship service today. To learn more about the church, its mission, and its vision, visit the website, trinitychapelvirginia.com. That is, trinitychapelvirginia.com. And we invite you to join us next week at the same time for another service from Trinity Chapel.